0: From where you'd rather be, from where you'd rather be if you've got the app, you can follow along in your notes, you can make notes and save them for later, but let's get into it. You know, the story goes that a ship was sinking and the only people that were left on the ship alive, everyone else had escaped, but the only people left on the ship was the captain and three sailors. And the captain spoke up first and he said, hey, listen, lads, this whole captain going down with the ship business It's nonsense. I don't want to play a part of it because there's a three-person life raft here on the boat. And I tell you right now, I'm going to be on that ship. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you one question each. And the person that can't answer the question will end up having to stay behind. So they all agreed. It sounded like a good plan. Captain turns to the first sailor and says, What unsinkable ship went down when it hit an iceberg? Well, he's quite excited, he responds, he's a sailor, he understands, he says, well, it was the Titanic. And he says, yep, well done, it was the Titanic. Turns to the second sailor for the second question and he says, and how many people died that day? Very excited, he says, 1,517, well done. And for the third question, he turns to the third sailor and says, and what were their names? (laughs) Needless to say, the third sailor didn't get on to the life raft i had a question for you. Have you ever been in a position where you knew you just had to get out? Have you ever found yourself where you just needed to be somewhere different from where you currently found yourself? You know, for me growing up, uh, it was a bit of a tough time, if I'm to be honest. I grew up in a bit of an abusive home and I got to the point where I just couldn't stay. I knew that there was something better for me, but if I didn't take action, there was no way that things were going to change. And so one day I mustered up all the boldness and confidence I could and I went and booked an appointment with the school counsellor. Chatting with the school counsellor, I explained everything that was going on and we agreed that it was best for me to move out. And so what we planned is that I would move out of home as a 16 year old and go and live with my friend and his family. So I packed up my bags, I organised a trailer and without saying a word to my mum, I was gone. When I, when I think back to that, I realise I could have probably handled that a little bit better. Living with my friend and his parents was pretty amazing because for the first time, I felt like I was living in this warm and welcoming environment. But as good as it was, come on, how many people know that I needed to move, not because of how good the new place would be, but because of how bad my current situation was? It's not that I desperately wanted to live with my friend Dale, although let's be honest, when you're a teenager, the thought of having like a sleepover every night with your friend is awesome. But it was the fact that staying living with my mum was no longer an option. And so for me, I knew I had to journey from point A, where I was, to point B, and it was gonna be a very scary step and a brave step that I needed to take. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you just needed to get out? You needed to change your position and move from point A to point B, maybe it's a relationship that's riddled with abuse and neglect and you know you need to get out, but if you're honest, you're just not sure how. Maybe it's your current job. And it's not that it's a bad job or you work with bad people. It's simply that it just doesn't quite feel right. Like something deep inside says, said, says that you were made for something different or made for something more. Maybe you've done growth track and you're like, it doesn't line up with my growth track gifting test. Maybe God's planted on your heart the seed of starting a brand new business. Maybe doing an ELC internship in 2021 is something that He's spoken to you about. See, when we recognise that there are the way things are, and then there's the way, things that, the way that we want things to be, what we've done is we've successfully recognised a gap. And every one of us, we have a starting point, right? It's exactly where we are right now. It's where we are in our relationship with God, in our health, our career, our relationships, our friendships. It's where we are as a church, as a city and as a nation. And as we stand here from where we find ourselves, wherever that may be, in your family situation, in your work situation, in your relationship with God, and we look across the crystal clear waters, we look over the white picket fence, we look across the front yard that we're not allowed to play in at the moment, and we spot another land. And it's the land that we would rather be. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Maybe it's a place that our hearts long for. It's a place where we feel called to be. And we make the decision that we would rather be there than here. And for most of us, this is as far as we get. It's a nice thought, but we don't take it any further than a thought. We think, well, I should leave my current course and enrol in something I'm passionate about. I should book an appointment with a counsellor to get my life back on track in a healthier way. Maybe I need to discover how it is that I personally connect with God so that I can build intimacy with Him. Maybe you would say, or at least think, I should start to get healthier so I can live a long and enjoyable life or I should put some money aside to invest into my future. And while those thoughts are great, I wanna suggest today that while thoughts are free, action actually requires courage out of us. In fact, Margaret Thatcher, who was the Prime Minister of Britain from 1979 to 1990, she said it like this, She said disciplining yourself to do what is right and important, although difficult, is the high road to pride, self-esteem and satisfaction. I mean, can you imagine what your life would look like if you not only recognized the wise decisions that you needed to make, but you had the boldness, the confidence, the faith and the skills to go after those results? Come on, I see people that are vibrant influences in our community, people rising up to flourish in their God-given talents, people that live every day with joy and expectation. I see a church where nothing's impossible, a church that is relentless in believing that God would touch the darkest corners of our community, our families, and our workplaces. I need to let you know today that God has more for you and He has better for you. And seeing us grow and progress is one of the greatest delights to God's heart. And today, what I want us to do is journey through um, a well-known story in the Bible. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't. But as we journey through this, I believe God's gonna speak to you and give you some tips as to how you can step out to recognise where you are and where you're trying to go and some tools that are gonna help you to get there. And the story that we're gonna look at today is a story of God's people, the Israelites, who had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. That's a tough time. And God's gonna bring freedom to them as they... Free themselves from Egypt under the leadership of a man named Moses. And the story picks up in the book of Exodus in chapter 1 from verse 12. It says, the Egyptians came to fear the Israelites and made their lives miserable by forcing them into cruel slavery. They made them work on their building projects and in their fields, and they had no pity on them. Sad guys, like this is a tough situation. Next chapter, it says, years later, the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites were still groaning under their slavery and cried out for help. The Bible says their cry went up to God. Man, where they were was terrible. Where they were was like horrible. They were being treated in the most harsh ways. And I can only imagine that if there's anything the Israelites hoped for, it was to be in a different place. And so their leader, Moses, he goes to Pharaoh, the, the leader of Egypt at the time, and he says, let my people go. I don't know about you, but every time I read that, I imagine Gandalf standing with his big staff like, you shall not pass. Just me? Okay. But anyway, I read that and I see he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, yeah, now," nah. Doesn't want to do it. He's stubborn. He doesn't want to listen to the man of God. And so God's like, fine. It's the easy way or the hard way. And he sends 10 plagues on the land of Egypt. But horrible things they had to go through. And it was only after going through these that Pharaoh was finally like, fine, fine. I'll let the people of Israel go. I'm reading that, I'm thinking, what a goose. You should have just let them go before the 10 plagues. But he was stubborn and he held on. But finally, finally, after 400 years, the Israelite people have given the thumbs up to get out of there. Now, at this point, you've got people that are ready to progress. They're ready to take a step of faith. They're ready to leave where they were in pursuit of God's promise for them. And from this point, after being given the go-ahead to leave the land of Egypt, there's five really key lessons that I want us to jump into and journey through together today. We're going to continue through the story. And I believe that these five things are going to help you take a step in whatever it is that you're facing and whatever it is um, that is a dream that God has placed in front of you. So let's do this together as we continue through the story. The first thing is this, the fight will tempt you back. Should be there in your notes on the app. Uh, The fight will tempt you back. So in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, they've just been given permission to go. It says, When the king of, king of Egypt let the people go, God did not take them by the road that goes up the coast of Philistia, although it was the shortest way. So there was an easy way, there was the most common way to go, but God didn't take them that way. It says, God thought, I do not want people to change their minds and return to Egypt when they see that they're going to have to fight. You need to understand that if you're to move from where you are to where God is calling you to be, you're going to have to fight. You're gonna have to work hard. You're gonna have to persevere. You're gonna have to dig your heels in deep when you face opposition. See, sometimes God will take us the longer route if it's a more trustworthy path to the goal. Don't expect to take hold of greatness, to progress, to grow, to attain victory without fighting. See, at the time of recording this message, I'm not exactly sure when you're watching it. This is all pre-recorded because of the lockdown, but um, as where I am now, tomorrow we're about to go into four weeks of lockdown to be isolated in our homes and it may feel a little scary, but um, if you're anything like me, when you first heard that, you've heard so many messages all around the place about how we need to make the most of this time, that this is a time to rekindle relationships with relatives that have maybe drifted, to build unity in the home with the family that we have and to make the most of this time to grow, to develop and to build a better version of us. Now it's inspiring, it's encouraging, it's motivating. And you and I, we would all agree that these are great ideas, but now that you've been doing it and maybe as you watch this, you're still in lockdown, you're still in your home and maybe it's like something like a month along this journey, you would say, there were great ideas, but I'll face my fair share of challenges. Like mending relationships with loved ones can sometimes feel like you're going backwards rather than forwards, right? If you're sitting with them, don't say amen. Maybe teaching your kids some valuable life lessons um, has turned out to be far more challenging than you thought and you've got a newfound appreciation for your kids' teachers. Can I just say to you, don't let the fight deceive you into thinking that you're not going in the right direction. See, the fight, all it is, is it's evidence that there is a barrier between you and where you're trying to get. There is opposition to your progress. And if the enemy will do anything, he will lie and he will deceive and he will try to steer you away from making the right decisions and investing into what matters most. You know, maybe after all of this, hard for me to say how much time has passed by the time you watch this, but maybe after all of this, you get a real sense that this is just the start of something fresh. It's a new season. It's like the big reset button has been pushed and something fresh is on the horizon. Maybe you feel called to start a business. Can I encourage you to not let the barriers coerce you back to a job you once had that you know was extinguishing out your fire? So God leads them this long way and After doing that, the Israelites, they find themselves camped out on the shores of the Red Sea. They feel trapped. They've left Egypt. They've left the place that they couldn't stand. They've left the place that they felt they had no choice but to leave, but the enemy is chasing. And the enemy is hot on their heels and so they feel trapped. They've got the enemy behind them and they've got this barrier, the Red Sea, sitting right in front of them. They knew God was calling them to another place. And maybe God is calling you to take a step I will encourage you with this, and it was said like this once. It says, when everything feels like an uphill battle, just think of the view from the top. Come on, as you step out and you take a step for God, you trust His leading, don't let the fight tempt you back to where you were. Number two is the challenges, sorry, new challenges feel worse than familiar ones. New challenges can feel worse than familiar ones. So we continue our story. They've made their way to the Red Sea and they've got the enemy behind them. And in verse 10, Says when the Israelites saw the king and his army marching against them, they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord for help. Then, sorry, they said to Moses, "Weren't there any graves in Egypt? Did you have to bring us out to the desert to die? Look what you've done by bringing us out of Egypt! Didn't we tell you this would happen? We told you to leave us alone and let us go on being slaves to the Egyptians. It would be better to be slaves there than dying out here." See, when you leave where you are, I guarantee you, you're gonna immediately regret leaving your comfort zone because the first step that you take is always the hardest one. It makes you vulnerable, you leave your comfort, but could I encourage you at that point, when you take that first step, you have never, ever been closer to attaining what it is that God has placed right in front of you. See, one of the greatest tragedies in life is that we come to accept poor circumstances. And that's not because we begin to believe that they're good, but we begin to find them comfortable. It's innately human for you and I to drift towards what is comfortable, but comfort will stifle progress in our life. See, the Israelites, I find this so interesting. They had a huge challenge on their hands in Egypt, 400 years of slavery, terrible. And they knew they had to get out. It was a horrible way to be living. And they moved away from that challenge that they had become familiar with And now they find themselves facing a different one. They had the enemy behind them and a seemingly impossible barrier right in front of them. Now, it's not that their new challenge was more difficult, but simply that it was unfamiliar. They began yelling at Moses, ridiculing him, like, why would you bring us out to the desert to die? They are forgetting how bad it was where they came from. They're forgetting that staying there wasn't an option. And as you step out, It might be scary, it might be unfamiliar, but the only reason you feel like going back is because it's comfortable, not because it's better. You know, this can often be why people stay in abusive relationships, not because they enjoy it, but because they begin to understand it. They know that they need to get out, but that unknown challenge of what they need to step into can seem far more daunting than simply enduring what they always have. I need to let you know that God has more for you. He is better for you. And it will require getting uncomfortable and facing brand new challenges. But can I remind you that God is with you in those brand new challenges? Come on, new challenges, they will feel worse than familiar ones, but God is with you as you take on those new challenges. Third thing that we learn from the story is to trust God in the journey. Trust God in the journey. Story continues, verse 13. So the Israelites have just had a massive winch to Moses. They've just told him how he's horrible, he's a bad leader, he shouldn't have done what they did. And then, so Moses answered, he says, don't be afraid. Stand your ground and you'll see what the Lord will do to save you today. He said, you will never see these Egyptians again. The Lord will fight for you and all you have to do is keep still. Be still in your home, not running 100 miles an hour, not trying to figure everything out, but all you have to do is keep still. I love the way that Moses worded this. He said, you will never see these Egyptians again. What's he saying? You don't have to go back. You don't have to return to the way things are. Look, I love that God fights our battles even when we pause. That even in our stillness, God is still there fighting battles for us behind the scenes. See, we may be isolated in our homes, but God is still working. Our interactions may have been limited, but God is still working. We may feel like life has been put on pause, but can I remind you that God is still fighting our battles behind the scenes. I need you to know that God is for you. In fact, the Bible says that if God is for us, who could be against us? God is for you, friend, but I need you to hear this today. Although He's for you, He's also with you. Bible says that greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. That's so encouraging in a time like this when we face so much challenge. Greater is the power and presence of God in your life than the challenges that present themselves to you externally. In fact, one of the names for God is the word Emmanuel. And when translated, that simply means God with us. He's not only for us, but He's with us and He's with us in our journey. You know, one of the greatest Joy is I love watching babies. I think babies are cool. Darcy you know, we're not parents yet. But one of the things I've observed when parents try to teach their kids to walk is they usually go about it in one of two different ways. Now, I'm not here to give you parenting advice. I would be majorly ill-informed. It's not what I'm here to do. But I've observed when parents try to teach their kids to walk. Now, the first way that I've observed is that there's usually a start point and an end point. Maybe mum's at one end and dad's at the other, or it's couch at one end and dad or couch and mum, whatever it is, and the child begins the journey and at the destination, there's someone standing encouraging. Come on, you can do it, keep going. We believe in you, one step at a time. They're encouraging along the journey, but if the child, if the baby stops for a moment, they lose their balance and they fall over. Or they stumble when they fall over. They they waddle a bit and they fall over. Now, if they build up enough momentum, (laughs) they might just make it. But if they need a pause for any reason, they find themselves falling over, not completing the journey. Now, that's one way I've observed that it gets done. And the other way is a little bit different, but it's where the parent walks along holding the hands of the child. And until the child takes the first step, they don't really need the support. They're standing, they're fine. But the moment they take the first step and they get vulnerable, the parent is there to help them up. That means as they're journeying, when they need to pause, when they need to stop, they don't fall because the parents are holding their hands the whole way along the journey. Now, I don't know if you're a parent and if you've done one of those or both of those. Again, I'm not here to give parenting advice, but it's it's what I've observed. And what I've found is it's that second way that aligns more closely with the way that God journeys with us. He holds our hand from the start and He waits for us to take the first step. And until we've made that first step, we don't really need the support but the moment we step out, the moment we get vulnerable, the moment we trust His leading and, and step out in faith, He's right there to support us. Understand that the distance between where you are and where you're trying to go, whether that's it's not necessarily geography, it's not necessarily moving, it might be though, a new job, a new career, a new level of growth, a new understanding, a new perspective, the distance between where you are and where you're trying to go, it's undefined. For you today, it might be just one small step. It might be a few, it might be many, but I need you to know that God is patient with you. And just like the second way of training a child to walk, He's okay if you need to stop and pause along the way. It's in those moments that God is still God. He's holding you up and it's okay to stop, to have a breather, to reset, and then to keep on going. In fact, you remember back in verse 17, we mentioned that God didn't take them the short road, but He took them the long way so that they wouldn't like have the fight tempt them back. If you go back and you read that verse, you realise that God didn't send them, but He took them. God is not waiting for us at our destination, but He's with us in our journey. In fact, Psalm 64 verse 11 says, even the hard pathways drip with the abundance of God. Come on, you can trust God as you step out to go after all that He's placed in front of you. The fourth thing in the story is this, the first step is yours to take. It says, the Lord Said to Moses, Why are you crying out for help? Tell the people to move forward. Lift up your walking stick and hold it out over the sea. The water will divide and the Israelites will be able to walk through the sea on dry ground. God saying, Don't look at me. You know what to do. Practically move forward and take ground. He's saying, Don't worry about me, I'll take care of the enemy. I'll take care of whatever it is that's chasing up behind you. I love that God fights our battles. He takes care of the enemy while empowering you and I to move forward. You notice it's only when Moses lifted his staff, when he took action, that God stepped in and did the miraculous. It's only after he stepped in, after Moses did what he was asked to do, that God took a move. And sometimes we say, God, and we're crying out to God to do something. And absolutely, we should go to God and ask Him to do what God does. But for so many things, God says, yeah, you go and I'll go. You move and I'll move. And for many of you, your next step is something simple like, Signing up for a small group when we're able to meet together again. Maybe you want to join the dream team or you haven't started giving financially. Maybe you need to go and have a conversation to mend that broken relationship. And we, we go to God and we say, God, like, I need you to help me. I'll cry out to God for, for these things. And He's saying, Why are you crying out to me for help? Go ahead, do it. You make your move and I'll support you in that. Because the truth is, friend, God won't sign you up for the small group. Like, He won't put your name down, He won't write the letter. He won't take that step for you. He won't put your name down for growth track, but I can confidently tell you what God is asking you to do. Take a step, get vulnerable, trust God, and step forward with confidence to know that as you take that first step, God is right there to support you. What drives us to follow through and act on our decisions? It shouldn't be just that we want the result of our decision, but that we can't stand the result of our indecision. Fifth and final thing is this. Vision will see you through. Vision will see you through. The angel, verse 19, it says, the angel of God who had been in front of the army of Israel moved and went to the rear. So the angel went behind the army of Israel. It says the pillar of cloud also moved until it was between the Egyptians and the Israelites. So the Egyptians are chasing the Israelites. And now in between them, you have the angel of the Lord and you've got the pillar of cloud. And it says the cloud made it dark for the Egyptians but gave light to the people of Israel. And so the armies could not come near each other all night. I need you to know that when you step out in faith and you take a step into what God's calling you into, He will create an inseparable divide between where you're going and where you once were. It will become clearer to look forward than it will to look back. See, the old, the comfortable, the familiar, it will always be there, but it will become easier to remain focused on what's right in front of you. See, for the Israelites, it was dark behind them but it was light in front of them. And as you trust the leading of the Holy Spirit and remember why it is that you left, why it is that staying where you were was no longer an option, God will make it increasingly more difficult to focus on the past and increasingly more clear to focus on where it is that He's leading you. Come on, old ways of doing business are no longer gonna be attractive. Old addictions are no longer gonna have the same power. Old perspectives will no longer limit your future. To have vision, is to get a glimpse of how God sees your life, that the old is gone and the new has come. And comfort, it'll chase you down the whole way. Where you came from will scream, but to have vision is to be able to say, I'm forgetting the past and I'm pressing on towards the goal. See, if God has given you a vision for your life to take a step, to bring a change, never lose sight of that because it was God's presence in the Israelites' life that shadowed out their their past and illuminated their future. In closing, I'll say this. Once the Israelites travelled through the Red Sea, they, they travelled through the desert a little bit longer before coming to a place called Elam. How cool is that? It was a place with 70 palm trees and 12 springs. I'm telling you, this place was like a Middle Eastern Fiji. It was nice. And I get a sense that as the Israelites finally made their way to the other end, they realised that Man, all the hardship that we went through, all the steps of faith, all the trusting in God, all the determining to not let the fight draw me back to where we were, it was finally worth it. All the challenge in the fight was finally sitting right in front of them as a reward. The other side of the challenge will be worth it. And I wanna encourage you. The fight will tempt you back, but stay firm because the fight just proves that there's opposition to you going after what God has placed in front of you. New challenges feel worse than familiar ones. You gotta step out. And the new challenge might feel unfamiliar, it might feel a little bit scary, but you need to know that God is with you as you face those new challenges. Trust God in the journey. God's not like the parent who encourages from afar, but He is with you in that journey. Your job, take each step as it comes and trust God in the process. The first step is yours to take. Come on, we wait on God for so many things that He has actually empowered us to do. Step out and understand that God will be right there to support you. And finally, vision will see you through. God always has more. He always has better. Stay focused on where it is that He's called you to go and trust that He's with you in the process. Why don't we take a moment to pray and pray that what's spoken today wouldn't just be a message heard, but it would take root in our heart, be something we could apply to our lives as we begin to stir our faith for the steps we're gonna take in this next season. Let's pray. God, I thank You that You're the God of more. You're the God of better. You're the God that leads us into greater things from grace to grace, God. What you have for us is immeasurably more than we might ask, think or imagine. And I pray over every person listening today from wherever they are throughout New Zealand and the world, I pray that this word would be encouraging, that it would stir faith. I pray, God, that you would help lead people to take the steps that you've placed on their heart. Maybe it's just a small step right in front of them. God, would you give them boldness? Would you give them faith and confidence that you were with them in that journey? We pray for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, I wanna pray one final prayer. I'm not sure where you are um, in the world. I'm not sure what room in the house that you found yourself in, but I want you to know that God loves you so much. And while I've been sharing a message about God's love and His comfort and the closeness that He has, if you were to be honest, and if I was to ask you the question, is, is Jesus the centre of your life? If you were to say no to that, I wanna let you know that Jesus went to a cross He died a sinner's death. He died, he rose again three days later, not so that we could do church, not so that we could listen to sermons, but so that you could experience the fullness of life, so that you could be forgiven and have a relationship with God. That's what he wants. More than anything in this whole world, he simply wants to know you. And I wanna pray a prayer in just a moment. I'll pray it out loud as I am here, and I invite you wherever you are just to close your eyes. And if you wanna start a relationship with God, if you want forgiveness for your sins, if you want a brand new start, I encourage you to pray this prayer in your heart, but make it your own, make it real, make it between you and God as we pray this prayer. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you came for us even while we were still sinners. God, that you look at us as your children and there's nothing you want more than a relationship with us. In this moment, God, we choose to believe that you went to a cross, you died and you rose again three days later. You took upon yourself the penalty that my sin deserved. And God, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. God, would you make me brand new today? I ask you, God, to come and be the saviour of my life, the one that would take my place on the cross. And I ask you to be my Lord, the one that I can trust, the one I can look to, the one that can lead me in this beautiful gift of life. God, I ask you to make me brand new. I give my life to you right now, holding nothing back in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. If you prayed that prayer, I'm celebrating with you. It's the greatest decision that you could ever make. Hope you have an incredible rest of your Sunday. God bless.